Good morning. And Happy New Year, right? Hey, one person responded. <laughs> Everybody else hates this year already? Is that what's going on? Everybody's like, oh, New Year. Mm. Already failed everything that I wanted to do. Um, so today we're picking up a series that we left off a few months ago. Uh, it's the series in Jonah. And the reason we left off that series back in, I feel like, November is because we had a baby. And, uh, and so we had a couple guest preachers. Yeah, there we go. That's, that's cool. Baby, it's good. Uh, sleep, no sleep. Anyways, um, and so uh, we, we stopped. We took a break then, and then we did uh, an Advent series too. So we're now coming back to the book of Jonah. So we're picking up this series in the book of Jonah called God's Infuriating Grace. And so grab your Bibles, flip to the book of Jonah. It's, if you have the black Bible in front of you, Grab it. It's on page 726. 726. Maybe 727, actually. 727. Yeah. I might be wrong. So, it's a small book. It's a small book in the, in the Old Testament. And it's a small book about who God is and who we are in light of who God is. And, uh, and we saw that in the first two chapters as we studied this book, right? Uh, the way the book starts is a very common phrase. It starts with, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai. So it's a common phrase because many of the biblical prophets started their writing this way. God is about to speak through one of his prophets, Jonah, presumably to the people, the Israelites. So Jonah is the prophet of God, and not only a prophet of God, but one of the leading prophets of, of God in Israel. He was most likely was trained by Elijah and Elisha because he was the prophet after them. And, uh, and he gets a word from God to go to the city of Nineveh. Nineveh was a big city. It was, this, it was a big city. It was about 60 miles in circumference. And, um, and if you want to compare to a modern-day city, that's like New York or Paris or London. Right? So it's a big city, it was a great city, but God saw the evil in it. And so Jonah is called by God to go to this city, but Jonah gets up, he gets up and he goes the opposite direction, right? As you remember, he gets up and goes the opposite direction. He gets on the ship and falls into a deep sleep as the ship sails away from Nineveh in complete opposite direction as it gets in the story. And... Um, he knows who God is, right? So Jonah is not, he's not, he's not a character that doesn't know who God is. He knows who God, who God is. He's a prophet who tells people about God and what he is like. And he knows about obedience, and he knows about disobedience, and about repentance. And he knows that if God is calling him to, to uh, if God is calling him to call a city to repentance, that means God can save this city, and he doesn't want God to save this city, so that's why he concludes that if I, if, if he doesn't think there's any good reason for God's command, or if he disagrees with, with God, then he doesn't need to obey God's command. So he ultimately is doubting God's goodness, wisdom, and justice. He probably even preached on these topics. He probably talked about these topics, about God's goodness and wisdom and justice to his people. But his life doesn't match what he preached. So he shakes his fist in the face of God and says, I know what you're asking of me, but I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going the opposite direction. 
And you know the rest of the story, right? He, God sends a storm. Uh, the ship is about to break. And Jonah says to the people, it's all my fault. Throw me overboard. The storm will stop. And the sailors don't want to do that at first. They're like, no. But eventually they agree and throw Jonah overboard. They are saved. And so is Jonah. The storm stops and a big fish swallows Jonah. And this fish takes Jonah down to the lowest place Jonah has ever been to, both spiritually and physically. And at that moment, Jonah cries out to God. All of chapter 2 is him crying to God, asking God to see his brokenness and for God to save him. And God does, in fact, save him, save Jonah. As chapter 2, verse 10 says, And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. So that, that brings up to where we are today. Today we get to see God speaking to Jonah again. Uh, God speaks to Jonah again, and he gives him a call, and Jonah responds to this call by going. In a, in a simple narrative, in a similar to the narrative of chapter 1, we get to see God's grace and how his grace is always transforming. So, you're able, let's stand, let's read uh, Jonah chapter 3, verse 1 through 5 together, and then we'll study this text. So, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, go in a day journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put sackcloth, from the greatest of them to the least of them. This is the word of God. You can have a seat. So, this passage starts almost identical to chapter 1, the way chapter 1 started, right? The word of the Lord came to Jonah. But this time, there's a, there's a phrase here that changes everything. The phrase is, the second time. The second time. The, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. The first time, Jonah heard what God told him, and he ran the other way. And if, and if I was God then Jonah would have been done. He would have been benched, right? Like, sure, I saved you from the belly of a fish, but, but you're done. I'm not going to be asking you to do something I asked you in the first place, right? Like, the, and, 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 the way, and the way I think about that is that, like, with my kids, if I tell them to do something once and they don't do it, I get upset. I'm like, I, I talk to them about it. Or my wife and I talk about this, and I'm like, oh, like, I asked you to do this, and you're not doing this? Like, come on. Like, this, this, this kind of thing. So I, I feel like if I was God, I would be done with Jonah. But, but God is not like me, right? God is not like me. God is holy and righteous. He is completely void of sin. He is full of goodness and love. He has never made a mistake. He is perfect in all his ways. In other words, he knows what's best. And he should be the one who looks to define second chances. He should be the one, who look to, uh, the one we look to to define grace. But here's the reality of this conversation. 
Here's the reality of this conversation. We often define God's grace based on our own experience with each other. Maybe we learned about God's grace uh, or about grace from our parents. Maybe we, we, we learned it from, from the relatives or even friends. Or maybe we just, we are a very observant person, and so we sit and we observe humanity, and as we observe humanity, we're like, that is grace, that's not grace, right? So maybe you have learned it from different elements of it. Uh, the fact is, our experience with sinful, broken people has affected our view of God and our view of grace. But God, in his kindness knew that we would struggle with this and left us scripture to remind us that he is the author of grace. He defines what grace is through his word and not by our experience with broken and sinful people. It's his grace to us. He puts this phrase in our passage, and that's good news for us today. It's a, it's a phrase, the second time is an amazing news for us. And here's what it ultimately means, right? There's, there's no behavior so final that it can't be tr- turned around by grace of God. Uh, there's no decision so final that it can't be turned around by the grace of God. There's no action so final that it can't be turned around by the grace of God. God can change any decision we make. God can change any of our behaviors. God can change any of our actions. But know this, but know this. He, God, is not ignorant of all the ways that we have sinned against him. He's not surprised at all. He's not surprised at all. In fact, he knows everything we ever done. He's able to see us with all the wickedness that we carry. If we played a recording from our past week on the screen today, our thoughts and actions, it would reveal a lot of brokenness, right? And for a second, you're thinking, I'm glad nobody's watching that, yeah. right? Like, you're like, oh, there is a lot of brokenness then. Would it, would it reveal your selfishness? Would it reveal the, some dark secret? Would it reveal wrong motivation? God knows all of your thoughts. God knows all of, of your actions. He knows all of our actions. He knows of all of our motivations. But his knowledge of who we are doesn't hinder his love for us. He's aware of all the bad things that we think and do, and he's aware of all the evil, even behind all our righteous deeds. He understands the motivation behind the good that we do to others. He sees all of this. He's not surprised by any of it, and his grace is enough to embrace us because of who he is, not because of us. And the Bible describes God as this in Exodus 34, 6-7. He is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sins. We are not merciful as our God. We are not slow to anger. We are not abounding in steadfast love. We are not faithful. He is. He is merciful and, and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He is faithful, and he's able to see us for who we truly are. And he's able to give us grace in spite of us. In fact, he sees us for who we truly are, a sinful and rebellious people who spit in his face, who sit in our sin, and he opens his loving arms and says, Come to me. I am merciful and gracious, slow to anger. I am full of steadfast love. 
let my love change you. Let my love lead you to repentance. Let my love transform you. That is who God is. And he gives Jonah another chance. The one who shook his fist in the face of God, the one who disobeyed him completely, God gives that man another chance because there's no line that we can cross in which God would say, I'm done with you. God is not done with you. No matter what situation is in your life, he is never done. He knows you well, and he is restoring you from all the brokenness that you may carry, not because you're great, or amazing, but because his son is great and amazing. That's right. Jesus Christ is the gift of grace. Because of Jesus, we get the second time each day. We get multiple second times each day. That is grace. But do we believe this about God? Do we believe that our God really offers this kind of grace to us? Do we really believe that this grace is transforming us? this kind of God gives Jonah a second chance, and then he tells him, he says, arise. In verse 2, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. He treats, no, uh, he treats Jonah with grace and kindness. And Jonah responds, and said, Jonah, uh, so in verse 3, so Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. And then describing now, Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three, three days' journey in breath. So God takes a man who rebelled against him, and he gives him the exact same task. Right? Like, there's nothing different in his task. It was not an easy task, right? Like, it wasn't like, oh, you know, carry a bucket of water down this aisle. No, like, it was a very hard task. It was three days' journey to even get there, and then it was not a small town. It was a great city, right? Like, it's like trying to go through New York City telling them to repent, to change. And he, walked to walk, he had to walk around first hoping that they don't kill him as he shares the message of repentance, right? Because if you remember from when we studied in the beginning, Nineveh was known to be a very violent people. And so the message that Jonah brings is not one that is easy to share. No, the message, the, the message tells people they're wrong in their ways they have lived. In fact, evil. So put, you, put yourself in his shoes. That's a hard task. Right? Like, just think about it. I don't like hearing people tell me I'm wrong about anything. Right? But, but somebody told me to change my life completely that's hard to hear, and that is what he's called to do. He, he's bringing this message to these people. And that they need to change their lives completely. So God takes a man and gives him another chance to go and proclaim a message. A message, the message of salvation. Not because Jonah was able, but because God is able. Not because Jonah can save someone, but because God can save anyone. For us, God doesn't call us to share the gospel with someone because we are awesome and able. No, he calls us to what he calls us to because he is able to save and change anyone. So Jonah walks into this great city and calls them out. His message is simple. His message is simple. He says, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the first question that as I studied, I was like thinking, is that all he said? (laughs) 
Because if I walked around our city and I said that, they'll just think I'm crazy, <laughs> right? Like, they'll just be like, context? Like, are you going to have something more to this? And, and we don't know if that's all he said. We don't know because that's all the text tells us. We don't know. It could have been more, uh, but, it, but it could be just this. He could have just said that message. It, this could be a summary of the message that he talk to the people. He could have talked about his journey through the city. He could have talked about uh, how share what led him to repentance. He could talk about that I was in the belly of a fish, and they probably looked at him like, what? And he goes, trust me, it happened. And he, he could have explained all the ins and outs of that, but we, we don't know if that was verbatim, but we do know that the message was clear, it was simple, and straightforward. Right? It, was, it was just clear, simple, and straightforward. And the result of this message was that the people of Nineveh believed God. They, they called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. So God took a simple message and changed the people's hearts from the greatest of them to the least of them. This was the work of God. He alone can change anyone. He alone can take someone like Jonah and lead him to repent. He alone can transform a nation to respond to him. And his task, Jonah's task, was not easy. But we all are given a similar task or a similar calling. We all have a similar task to go. Uh, Jesus gives all believers a mandate in Matthew chapter 28, 18 through 20. And you have heard this, right? Like you, you heard this passage that I'm about to read many, many times. But hear it well today. Hear it. And Jesus came and said to them, talking to his disciples, he said that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He's saying, I have all authority. And then he commands them to do something. He says, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the ages. So Jesus calls all of us in this room to go. The going aspect is different for everyone in this room. Some of you in this room may be called to go to the mission field. That means that you, you, may, you may need to leave physically and go and proclaim the good news in another country. Right? It, just the fact that we are a small church does not change that some of you may be called to go somewhere that's not here, Greeley. It could be to another city. It could be to another country. It could be to go. You might be called to go to Russia, where I'm preaching the gospel in America. A, a Russian guy preaching in America. You might be an American guy preaching in Russia. God may and can do that. Some of you may be called to preach the word and be a pastor, and, and so that might mean you need to change your job. It might mean you need to maybe get an education. Some of you are not are not called to go to another, car, another country or to enter a full-time ministry, but to stay and proclaim the message of Jesus with the people that God has placed in your life. Everyone in this room is called to leave the comfort, safe, and even secure environment that we live in and go to proclaim the good news of Jesus with others. We simply can't hear the message of the gospel, the good news of His grace, and smile and keep it to ourselves. 
The gospel of his grace should be softening our hearts, transforming us, leading us to repentance, saturating us in his love and his grace, reminding us that we are his children. And that, that, that is the true motivation because be, uh, behind us going, no matter what kind of context of going. And in fact, that is the true motivation behind any heart change. The going and proclaiming his name is just one of those things that will happen to us when we saturate ourselves in the gospel of grace. When we interact with the gospel of grace, much change changes in our lives. And one of those changes will be that we can't keep quiet about it. As we interact with the gospel of grace, it's going to just it weld up in your heart and you want to share it with others. And so we, we can't help but go and proclaim the gospel with those who God has placed around us. So God takes ordinary people, broken people, sinful people, takes us, and does some extraordinary things. He takes us and makes us the messengers of his great news of grace. Those who put their faith in Christ are now messengers of his grace. And Paul, Paul talks about this. He uh, unpacks this in 2 Corinthians 5, 18, 21. He says, all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So God is in charge. God is in charge. He's the one who will save. He's the one who took your heart and brought it to life. He's the one who reconciled us to himself. And when he reconciled us to himself, he also gave us the ministry of reconciliation. We carry the message of reconciliation, but Jesus is the agent of change. So in the same way, Jonah is the messenger from God. He proclaims a message God is the one who changes people's hearts. He's the one who takes a nation and causes them to repent. God is able to do this. The pressure is not on you to change someone. Right? As we're talking about this, as you proclaim the gospel to someone, to some of your friends, to your coworkers, to whoever, the pressure is not on you. Right. That should make you go... Oh, man, that's nice news. That's good. And Jesus reconciled people to himself, but he makes his appeal through us. He uses broken, sinful people like us. Right? He uses, hey, you can have a, the worst day of your life, and somebody might come across the street and says, hey, tell me about your Jesus. Right? Like the, the, the situation of your life, God can use no matter what kind of situation to proclaim his message and he uses us people and and as i was studying this text i felt like it was perfectly fitting for a young church plant i i felt like it was fitting for us to to hear hear this and then i i turn it into a prayer so so i pray that god will will take us 
where we are with everything that we all have. We all have many broken pieces about us. There's many stories to tell. There's much to, to the brokenness of each person in this room. And I, I pray that God will take us and saturate us in his grace. And I pray that God's grace transforms us. And that, that, that's my prayer for us. I want, I want us to, in the midst of all this brokenness, for God to transform us. And I pray that God will take us and put us in places where we can share the message of reconciliation with others. I want us, even as this, this small church, to proclaim the message of reconciliation with those who we are interacting. That's my prayer. And I don't know where you are today. I don't know, I don't know what God is doing in your heart. But his promise is that he's with us. Right? And, and nothing can separate us from his love. Right? That, that's what m- m- the Great Commission was, that he, he tells us to go, but he says, I'm with you, always. And Romans 8 says, nothing can separate us from his love. So he, was, he will not give up on us. And he will be with us as we carry the message of reconciliation to others. Like I said, I don't know where you are today, in this, uh, today, and I don't know what your heart needs to hear. Maybe your heart needs to, to hear today that God's grace is full of second chances. It is. That's, that's the truth. Sergei's grace might not be. His grace is. And he is with you, and he, his love will never forsaken you in his love. There's nothing that can separate us from his love. Let me pray for us.